Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. That question in the title of today's episode, is hiring an expensive lawyer really worth it? was actually posed to me several years ago, and I can recall a number of other occasions when people, members of the public, my colleagues in other professions, others, have mused on the subject. The answer is actually fairly complex, and I bet you thought I might answer this way. Yes, I have heard the common joke about lawyers that we never answer a question in a straightforward way. It's never a yes or no. We always try to wiggle out somehow, just like politicians. And there is some truth to that. We do include it depends in many of our responses, and there are both good and bad reasons for doing that. But in this instance, it's not a cop-out on my part. The answer really is not straightforward, and today I'm going to share with you my thoughts on the response. If you've heard this podcast before, you know that I love analogies. So here's one I will use to illustrate my point. If you have a problem with your heart, a heart murmur, for example, there is a very realistic probability, a likelihood, in fact, that you will need a specialist, a cardiologist, to deal with your problem. That will be someone who has the right level of specialized medical training, technical skill, clinical skill, who has high-end experience, and who will likely have more specialized knowledge about your problem. All those qualifications in a cardiologist are likely to exceed comparable qualifications in a family physician. You need someone at that skill level because the problem with your heart may be a serious issue and there is a lot at stake. If you found out you had a heart problem, I think that you yourself would want a specialist to first diagnose the issue, let you know how serious it is, give you 
treatment options and so on. You would be asking your primary physician for a referral. Conversely, if you have a common cold, going to a cardiologist to treat it makes no sense. There is simply no need for that. This is not to minimize the nature of the problem, that the person suffering from the cold may feel awful, that they may have to miss work, that they may have discomfort, and that their symptoms may take several days to resolve. But a reasonably trained family physician is well-equipped based on their training and experience to diagnose it, deal with the symptoms, and administer the right treatment. So based on the analogy I have used so far, if you were standing in front of me and you had just asked me that question, is hiring an expensive lawyer really worth it? I would first want to know more about your case. I need to have more of a context for the question. What is your case about? How complex is it? How complicated? Is it a common cold or is it hard murmur? Do you already have a lawyer? Are they being effective so far? If not, why not? What about the other side? Are they the problem? What role is the other lawyer playing? Are they an arsonist or are they a firefighter? Does the other lawyer have difficulty controlling their client? Who runs the show on the other side? I think you're getting the picture. First, we need to diagnose the reason you're asking the question. Again, this is not to reduce or minimize the importance to you of your own case. Even if the issues in it are not particularly complex, but we are talking about the application of the right expertise and experience to address particular legal problems. There are many, many family law cases which do not require the lawyer equivalent of a specialist, the cardiologist in our analogy. Some are quite straightforward when it comes to the actual legal issues involved and may be dealt with very competently and very affordably by the lawyer equivalent to a family physician. A classic family law case involving a relationship of several years, some children's issues, some child support going forward, and the sale of the matrimonial home is the bread and butter of many, many family law lawyers across Canada every day. And in those instances, I would say that an expensive senior lawyer is not required. And to clarify, when we say senior in the legal context, we do not mean chronologically. We mean years of experience, period of time since their call to the bar, since they became a lawyer. There have been many instances in my many years of practice, particularly as I have become more and more experienced, more senior. When I was contacted by a potential new client and after speaking with them, suggested they do not need me to deal with their case. 
They simply did not need to pay a lawyer with as many years of practice to deal with their case. And then I would give them some referrals. So here's a question. What factors impact the rate at which a particular lawyer bills? In other words, how does a family law lawyer become expensive? How do they determine their hourly rate, for example? You won't be surprised to hear that this is not a straightforward answer either, but let me give you some examples of factors which go into the hourly billing rate. Yes, whether they're good is a factor. At some level, the more sought after the lawyer, the busier they are, the higher the rate they can charge because the market can bear it. In other words, people will pay it. But that is only one factor. Without question, the seniority of the lawyer, in other words, the number of years they have been practicing family law, impacts on the hourly rate. A two-year call, meaning someone called to the bar two years ago, can charge whatever she wants. But the question is, who will pay that rate? If no one will, then it's a waste of effort. When a particular lawyer reaches the cardiologist level of lawyering, in other words, they have handled many, many cases during the course of their practice, have experience dealing with complex issues, and dealing, for example, with emergency situations like urgent motions on financial or child-related issues, have done trials, arbitrations, participated in mediations, overall have a lot of varied experience. That experience is worth something because they have developed a level of skill which is higher than that of someone who has been in practice for two or three years. This is not to suggest at all that junior lawyers are incapable of quite competently handling many, many family law cases. And they do that every day across the country. But if you have the legal equivalent of a heart murmur, you might consider going to a lawyer who has experience and the skill level of a cardiologist. But experience and seniority are not the only factors which impact the hourly rate. It may come as no surprise to you that location matters as well. And lawyers will debate the reasons for the difference in hourly rates for lawyers of the same seniority in different parts of Ontario. But that difference in rates is a reality. Some of that has to do with the cost of running a business. A sole practitioner in Toronto who has a two-room office close to Bay Street will have much, much higher overhead costs than a lawyer with similar arrangements in York Region or in Durham. So the cost of running a business in a particular location factors into the question. Generally speaking, and this is a generalization, but I think it's fairly accurate, 
hourly rates in Toronto are higher than in the outlying parts of the GTA. By way of illustration, my hourly rate in York Region is considerably lower than what it would be if I were practicing in Toronto right now, on Bay Street or even somewhere else in Toronto. My level of experience and seniority is the same as that of my peers and colleagues in Toronto, but my overhead simply isn't in York Region what it would be in Toronto. So I can afford to charge less and attract a broader range of clients. There is also the cost of staff who assist us with running our practices. Salaries are much higher in urban concentrations like Toronto than they are in outlying areas. But some would also say that in urban centers like Toronto, so are the expectations in terms of hours devoted to work, availability to work on weekends and on short notice. So it all adds up. So in very practical terms, location matters. Earlier, I talked about experience, but let's realize that this word applies not only to experience with legal issues, which may be involved in your case, but also with how a case is handled. A more senior lawyer may have more strategic experience on how to move the case forward if there is a stalemate. Or, for example, if the other lawyer is stalling and the case comes to a standstill for that reason. I never discount the adage that you get what you pay for. And this also applies when we're talking about legal services. Again, I want to stress the point that a more junior lawyer does not necessarily mean incompetent. That would be a very unfair statement to make because there are many, many junior lawyers and mid-range family law lawyers out there who do a terrific job, including before courts each and every day and produce exemplary first-class work. But the adage does apply if you properly consider the case at issue. If you have a very complex case involving complex property issues and perhaps a novel argument before the court to possibly make new law, and yes, that happens from time to time, if you hire a junior lawyer for that case, you will get what you pay for, namely someone who will not have as many years of experience behind them, including in court, and who may be arguing such a point for the first time. Look, we were all junior lawyers once, and people for whom and with whom I worked at the time gave me incredible opportunities to gain experience, to learn, to spread my wings, and learn to fly on my own. I must also credit clients who gave me a chance and trusted their cases to me along the way and as I became more senior. In the case of a child abduction, can a junior lawyer argue an urgent motion for the return of the child? Technically, absolutely yes. They can appear before the court 
and argue the motion on your behalf? Are you likely to be better off in more experienced and therefore more expensive hands? On balance, the answer is likely yes. A child abduction is like a heart murmur, or even worse. You need the lawyer equivalent of a cardiologist. There are many other considerations that go into this discussion, some based on urban legends, some based on perceptions, including, for example, the big gun theory, which suggests that when a very senior and well-known lawyer comes on board in a family law case, the other side cowers and crumbles. Sometimes the big gun theory works and sometimes it does not. Ultimately, if the law is not on your side, not even a big gun will help you because ultimately the court will follow the law, no matter what seniority your lawyer may be. I didn't answer directly the question posed in the title of this episode, but I hope that my answer, complex and multifaceted as it is, gave you some insight. When a relationship ends, questions around legal representation are very common. And these, of course, include who the lawyer should be. Absolutely, these questions are very important and your selection of a lawyer may actually have a very tangible impact on how your case unfolds or even potentially the likelihood of resolution. So the question posed in the title is an important one to ask because after all, it's all about navigating your way to a sane split. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.